Welcome to Rewrite the Mother Code, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves. Through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences, we're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way that you never have before, but have always needed. It's time to rewrite the mother code. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Rewrite the Mother Code with me, your host, Dr. Gertrude Lyons. Well, before I bring on this week's guest, Alexia Vernon, I wanted to share a little bit ahead of time, discovering so much about her and our relationship, but I wanted to name a couple things about how I met and got to know Alexia and the work that she does. Lex, as I call her, and many people, was referred to me by Avanti Kumar Singh. And if you haven't checked out her platform on Ayurvedic healing and such good stuff in that arena, and she also has a podcast and lots of good stuff, Avanti does. But and I'm bringing this up because we got to know each other because our husbands were doing business together and hit it right off. All right. So I get to discover what she's doing. She's discovering what I'm doing. And then I let her know that I'm really at kind of the beginning of this journey with, and at that time it wasn't even called Rewrite the Mother Code, but I said, I really need to take the work that I just did in my doctorate and come up with like a keynote talk, like a talk that I could just do and either put on myself or whatnot. So she referred me to Lex. And Lex, as you'll find out, is an amazing businesswoman and speaker coach. Her platform's called Step Into Your Moxie. And it's all about uplifting women's voices and getting yourself and your voice and your story and and everything that you want to share and contribute out into the world. And oh my gosh, do has she been just a partner with me in this? Because you know, it sounds kind of simple, like, sure, take, you know, your work and flip it into a talk. Well, it basically took me a year to do that. And a year of her holding my hand, us writing it together, because it was really vulnerable. You know, it's really vulnerable to put our voices out there, put our story, our, our work that means so much to us, and do it in a way that is real and authentic, and but still allows people to see what's in this for them. And is it just about you and and what it has done for you? And she had a beautiful process and I felt so mothered, tended to and cared about through that journey, such that I've kept going in other programs that she has. Not to then, oh, okay, you really want to get out there and speak? Like, well, you know, you got to pitch. You have to put yourself out there. You have to let people know you have something to say. And she has been pivotal for me in that regard. So I'm very grateful and I'm grateful to have her join and share more about her journey and her beautiful story about led her to be doing what she's doing and also through the lens of Rewrite the Mother Code. So a big shout out and huge, huge gratitude to this woman and to all that she has done and all that she's introduced me to in the world that she's opened up for me. 
And that's what we do for each other, right? That's what sisterhood, if you want to be with a group of women or just in groups of people where we're supporting each other and really uplifting and sharing and sharing resources and really wanting the best for each other. It's a part of Rewrite the Mother Code that I call being on one team, you know, where women can allow, we can allow for all the differences on our mother journey and everything in between in such a way that we really can be there for each other because then we're not judging, we're not feeling like there's only, there's scarcity or only so much around because there's, it's just, it's an abundant life. It's an abundant world. And we really can do that together. All right. Well, without further ado. I know I just shared a little bit of context, but now I have here with me, Alexia Vernon. Lex, I'm so happy to have you on the show. Thank you for I'm being here. I'm happy to be here with you like this. <laughs> I know, right? I see you in this screen on this scene for many reasons as as my coach and leader of legacy and in so many forums. So it's fun to, for us to have this time. And I get to share you with my audience, which I'm super thrilled about. Well, I hope I uh, I don't disappoint and I add value <laughs> because I listened to your podcast. You've had other legacy members on recently yes. and some incredible guests over the last few years. So I'm truly honored to be among the company mm-hmm. that you bring to your audience. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I'm going to at this moment, let the audience know a little bit about kind of your your resume, your the factual things about you, and then I know we'll we'll get into the heart of things as we move on in the podcast. But it's so impressive. I was saying to Lex, I want to say every word of this, but I'm going to give you some highlights around Lex so you can get a sense of of this outstanding woman and all the things that she has done. So I can't not say this first line, which is dubbed a moxie maven by President Obama's White House Office of Public Engagement for her unique and effective approach to high-stakes communication, leadership development, and employee well-being. Alexia Vernon is a sought-after keynote speaker, coach, and trainer. I love that. And yes, she has supported thousands of leaders, coaches, and speakers through her Step Into Your Moxie keynotes, corporate offerings, online trainings, live events, and mastermind programs and creator of the first of its kind, Step Into Your Moxie Certification. And I love this because it prepares business leaders and the coaches and trainers who develop them to speak up for the ideas and issues that matter to them and their companies as they show their employees and clients to do the same. Such good stuff. Okay. She's been all over the place speaking and featured in programs and leadership events with Fortune 500 companies, nonprofits, professional associations, the United Nations, and she's a TEDx women speaker. She's been all over the media, CNN, NBC, ABC, CBS, entrepreneur.com, Forbes.com, Inc., European Business Review, Women's Health Magazine. It's just, it only gets better here. Also author of multiple books, including the award-winning Step Into Your Moxie, Amplify Your Voice, Visibility, and Influence in the World. She's the creator of the popular LinkedIn learning course, Communicating to Drive People to Action, and the host of the Moxalicious podcast, of which I was a guest at one time, which I'm very proud of. Season one. (laughs) Season one. An oldie but a goodie. It is. Yes. And one of my first, oh my God, I was so nervous. So, so nervous for that. (laughs) And luckily you were my coach, so you could help me through it. 
which was wonderful. So as you can see, this and more, I'm only scratching the surface on this amazing woman. And I've asked her to kind of start off by sharing a bit, just like give us a flavor of this journey, you know, what this journey you've been on, Lex, to get to be the this woman entrepreneur, the success that you are and the impact that you have had on me, but also so many so many women and leaders. I know you don't just work with women, but many of your groups are are geared toward women. But I think that's an important point. So some of the things that just come to mind or touch your heart about your journey, I'd love to kick us off with. One of the things that probably doesn't come through in a bio, but it's really important to lead with, is that despite all the stuff, I have spent a lot of my life in what I would refer to as an on-again, off-again relationship not with a partner, but with my own voice, meaning one moment it would feel like I'm tap dancing on eggshells, striving to be liked, to give the right answers, to not be called out for failing to be enough of whomever I think other people want me to be. But that fortunately is not the full story because at other times, sometimes in very close proximity to those former times I just described, I've loved being on a stage with a microphone in my hand advocating for myself or advocating on behalf of other marginalized folks. It just took a really long time to figure out how to make space for the reality that both of those pieces of me are a part of me. Mm. And it was probably 14 or 15 years ago at this point where that light bulb went off that I'm not one or the other. There's not a problem with me. I just haven't learned how to A, create a narrative that makes space for that. But also at that point, I hadn't yet gotten really adept at learning how to be comfortable with all the discomfort I often felt when using my voice, particularly on stages and high stakes situations, giving feedback, receiving feedback, and so forth. And so while I have been an entrepreneur and a coach for almost 16 and a half years as of this recording, which is a long time. (laughs) I would say that it's really been the last 10 or 11 years of running that business where I've felt like I'm in a really good place to be able to shepherd others. Oftentimes, as you mentioned, women more and more since the pandemic, interestingly, executive men in some really high profile organizations through that process of recognizing that vocal empowerment, that ability to walk into any room, into any conversation, onto any stage, speak up for ourselves, the ideas and issues that we're passionate about and that matter to our companies and call people to take action, that that process is far more holistic than we think. It's not just about confidence or competence. It's about so many things, our inner voice, getting comfortable with physiological sensations and being in our bodies as we do hard things and say hard things, presence, messaging, and ultimately persuasion. And so those are all the things I'm really passionate about. Yeah. Well, and you are, and it shows, it shows right now, like I'm like, oh, (laughs) I know what you do. And I love hearing you speak to it. And I love also some of your magic is that I've experienced is this ability to, as I I mentioned this, you don't know this, but I mentioned when I was pre-introducing you at the beginning, you know, how much 
you held my hand through writing my first keynote talk, you know, and taking the material and just how you could hone in so quickly just by me sharing, you know, what I hope to kind of organize and put together. And I felt for so long, like, why can't I just have Lex speak for me? She says, <laughs> she speaks it so well and so articulately. But through what you were just talking about, all those ways and ways that working with you, I wouldn't have expected like improv exercises and different kinds of ways to vocalize and, and get comfortable in just being up in front and allowing things to flow. And, and at the same time, in certain situations, walk a certain talk that you need to actually memorize something I still have a challenge with, (laughs) but have gotten your support on, but I think the biggest thing is doing all those things so I could be present with myself as I'm I'm standing in front of a group of people that could be a few, one or two people up to a large group of people. So that's my experience of what you're talking about. And I think this dovetails well into the, the question because just to speak more in, and I, I think you're articulating what it means to step into your moxie, right? And why that is such a challenge for women and particularly moms, since we have a lot of moms who moms of children, but as we know, and we're always articulating, we all mother, what is it about stepping into your moxie and why is it such a challenge for us? It's complicated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> moxie is a mindset and a skill set. And I say that. But to frame that before we talk about that further, it's important to honor that most of us, when we think about self-advocacy, naturally default to thinking of it in terms of a masculine model Mm. where we've got to push and we have to hustle and there's not a lot of space for the feminine in that process. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, it doesn't feel endemic or good for a lot of us. And therefore, the idea of advocating, whether it's for ourselves, for our children, for people in the workplace, for marginalized communities, it often feels like we have to armor up and be somebody that we're not in order to make impact. I would say that 80% of the work that I do with anybody who's female or gender minority is about looking at how we've approached our communication and really doing a lot of unlearning Mm. because it's not about being someone we're not. Stepping into our moxie is about giving ourselves permission to go back to who we authentically are before the world gave us a reason to doubt ourselves or to believe that we weren't enough or a message that I hear more and more frequently from women, particularly women who experienced another layer of marginalization because of race, or maybe they're disabled, or they're LGBTQ, is this notion of I'm too much, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to overpower, and maybe I need to take a breath and step back and not be so overwhelming for others. Once we start to recognize that the problem isn't us, the problem is the messages that we've received, and then that can open us up to recognizing How do we, I like to say, go for the holy yes. And so holy is not necessarily religious. My background is Greek. And I love the word hagios, which in Greek means holy. But if you decode it, what it actually means is different and set apart and special and revered. 
And that to me is that essence of stepping into our moxie. And so if we look at it through the lens of mothering, I am a mother of one biological child, uh, Kaya, who as of this recording is almost nine and a half years old. We're still at that stage where half birthdays are very important in our house. And we've got a half birthday coming up next week. I think for a lot of us who have a motherhood experience with children, motherhood is one of those moments that feels like it should be a natural rite of passage. Mm. Definitely not my experience. I would Mm. posit that is not the experience of the majority of women. And so oftentimes it can flag a whole set of insecurities, particularly in Western culture where we might not have been around a lot of children. I know that I wasn't. I happened to be an only child. I didn't grow up in a culture where there were lots of children around. And so I'd gotten to a stage where in my career, I was rocking it. I'd hit a lot of metrics for success. I was very intentional about entering a season of life where I brought a child into the world. And luck, the universe, whatever you want to call it, conspired on my behalf where that process was not terribly challenging. However, within 90 days of my daughter being in the world, I had never felt like I was so much of a fraud as I felt through that experience. Mm. I couldn't breastfeed the way that I wanted. I was incredibly awkward just holding my daughter. Always had my husband or my mom coming around and telling me, you know, and rightfully so, like, you need to protect the head here. You've got a fragile little person. Was terrified of taking her in and out of a car seat. I absolutely experienced postpartum depression. And while there was so much shame around that at that time, what I now know from telling that story in more artful detail than I'm telling it today Mm -hmm. in keynotes and so forth, is that whether it's the postpartum period, it is the toddler years, it is our child going through adolescence, receiving a diagnosis, challenges in puberty or at any other season, that for a lot of us, it flags all of that, I'm not enough, or maybe I'm having to be too much to advocate for my child's Mm -hmm. stuff that just complicates whatever complicated relationship we might have had with our voices further. So, yay. (laughs) Like that, to have embraced that for yourself to now, you know, have the wherewithal and like from your own journey and seeing this need where where women, especially I want to flag, kind of underline the, all the messages we get that we're not enough or we're too much. Right. And in this arena in motherhood, you know, we're still very much in a intensive, there's a right way to do it. And that right way comes in many forms. Right. I say. So one person's expertise telling you to do it this way is another person's, oh, absolutely don't do it that way. So we're, we're very much caught. And I just thinking about, you know, so much about, and I, I never, heard some aspects of of your early motherhood story that I so related to, particularly around the insecurity or the issues you had around breastfeeding, the not feeling. And I had a husband who I was grateful could like step in and had some skills that I guess I felt like I lacked, but there was this not enoughness that that ended up a kind of a competition almost with him where I know I could have used more of the skills I have now with my voice to articulate that. But at that time, it was just, I, I cared so much about this child that it kind of didn't care how it was getting tended to or lost sight of myself in that process to say like, hey, great that you can do this, but you don't need to like hold it over my head. 
or oh, you're swoop in. Just a flood of memories for me <laughs> that I haven't thought about in a while. I had spent so much time preparing for my delivery. I could have gotten a PhD in it. I read the books. I went to the classes. I was going to be hypnotized through the pain of labor and delivery. I had the playlist, the essential oils. I mean, like the whole thing. But I probably had spent less than 30 minutes truly thinking about what would my life look like after this little bean came into the world? I hadn't thought about any of that. And so then when I didn't have the birth experience that I had planned and intended for, and so I was grieving the loss of that and trying to fumble my way through, okay, I had built a successful business. I'd figured out how to give myself essentially a six-month sabbatical from all things sans one project. Mm -hmm. The number one thing I wanted was my work back where I felt masterful. Right. And the (laughs) guilt I felt about naming that and saying, Mm -hmm. I want to take back clients like desperately so that I can feel fulfilled because Mm -hmm. this role that's supposed to be everything is diminishing my self-confidence more than any other role I think I've ever had. So getting to the place where I could articulate that, oh, so intense. Being able to articulate, I'm going to stop breastfeeding. It's not working. And I need to take some medication because that's going to enable me to be a better mom than the few drops of milk that like, I'm not actually even being able to get to my child. Mm -hmm. But I remember the first two years, every time something would be a little off with my daughter, I would immediately go back into that story. It's because I didn't breastfeed for very long. Like I, I in turn, no one else no. was doing that to no, me. No, but, but I but, had done that to myself. And I'll never remember when Kaya, when I've talked a little publicly about this, we wound up getting her assessed because we sensed that she was gifted and she was profoundly gifted. And the first thing that came out of my mouth was, I didn't ruin her from not breastfeeding. I mean, and it's funny in hindsight, but like, I know, but I have goosebumps because it's old, so, it's still I was there. Still carrying yeah. that around that like, Her academic prospects would be compromised because of this selfish decision I made to prioritize my own mental health. And so I guess the reason I'm bringing all of this up is I want anyone who's listening who, whether you're in the thick of mothering, you're pregnant, or you never had a child and you're questioning that decision is to recognize that most of the decisions we make, if we center our own well-being, will work out okay. Mm -hmm. Like we can't mother our kiddos if we're doing a crap job mothering ourselves. And I'm glad that while it was a really uncomfortable period, those first six months, that in some ways that they were that uncomfortable because later on when there were complicated decisions where it felt like my well-being might not be integrating perfectly with decisions, it was like, no, it's not selfish to say I need to hire help or... Mm -hmm. We need to make a different decision in schooling because this decision and this investment is taxing my well-being. Like naming those things have always meant that the pivot has been profoundly easier than the amount of time I sat on the struggle bus doubting the decision I knew they made. Yeah. Oh, I think that's, I just want to underline, 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 you know, everything that you're saying. And, and you said something that struck me. It's, it's not like, oh, okay, I'm going to hear this and and now when I have a baby, I'll do this and then it'll all be okay, right? It's not so much what we're going for, but I think what you are bringing up is just this general sense of mindfulness and 
wherever we can build a stronger sense of our core self and any habits that we have around our self-mothering, when you bring in something even more that you know you're going to be putting a lot of your energy into, uh, like a child, or it could be a startup business, right? If we look at all the things we mother, something where a lot of your energy and caring is, you know, is going to be put forth. We just that awareness of we're going to need even more self-mothering than we've even been doing. But any muscles that we practice and from small things to big things, and we're, I think, working this muscle in our conversation around speaking up for ourselves, around, well, everything from the critical inner voices that we want to tone down, like mute where we can, not have them be so loud and running us all the way up to like where we really do need to speak up you know, and where it's really going to. And those are opportunities. It's not, if we can take out the like right, wrong and like, oh, this, this, oh, that's how I'll avoid that hard. Mothering, boxy, they're muscles. And like any muscle, if you don't consistently flex it, it atrophies. And that always reminds me that it's not an all or nothing. Mm -hmm. Most skills are contextual. So I might be great at mothering my business, mothering my clients, And struggle profoundly to mother myself or to mother a child or more recently mothering a pet. (laughs) It feels like that's the relationship that is most complicated in my home. And I laugh, but the relationship between my cat and me is very complicated. Mm -hmm. But it's the same thing with our moxie muscles too. We might be fantastic advocating for our child at school and yet really struggle to find our voice and set boundaries with a client or with a partner, when we're able to honor where we are in our moxie, then it becomes easier to say, okay, this is what I'm doing in that context where it is working. What's the lesson that I can take and apply to that context that feels trickier? Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March, 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo, meaning land of the goddess women, and coming to really take time for yourself, okay? And that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go? It's a five and a half day retreat, getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if the idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time 
inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's so beautiful. As you were sharing, I don't know, I have these memories coming up and I'm going to call it early motherhood with my platform or with, (laughs) I don't know what part of the mothering process I would put the, our work together, creating that keynote and the phases I went through that felt so similar, you know, to me about that. And I guess I could liken you more to the midwife of that birth, right? Like, no, not no, but you can do this. And I'd hit these walls of like, I can't imagine sharing these pieces of my story to the world. It was okay to write it in a dissertation and have it kind of, and even when I did that workshop and I shared some of it, those were almost all women that I already knew, right? So this was like, oh my gosh, you know, standing up in front of the world and using my voice to share myself was really something that I can't imagine having done alone. And I I don't think I ever would have. I never would have completed that talk. It would have, that birth would not have happened. So one, I'm super grateful. But I think a couple of reasons I'm saying that are, I like looking for parallels and metaphors so that we can have this inclusiveness around mothering and how we mother and that, and that all women mother. And that was as, and sometimes just as scary and painful as the giving birth and and new motherhood in some ways, because I was, I think maybe it was more about me and some, I don't know, there was some aspects of it, but this putting myself out into the world was a huge step. And I don't know, I don't there's have a, a question around of, that, but there is, <laughs> there's a lot of, I know you work with a lot of people doing this. You have a, uh, you've given birth to a lot of people's keynote talk. So what you're saying makes me realize something powerful about presence with public speaking presentation skills and also with mothering that at the essence of both is the deep discomfort that comes from being really here and now and being seen. And yet what our audience is, whether that audience is a child, an actual audience in a theater, an audience in a boardroom, an audience anywhere, what they crave more than anything is permission to truly see that leader before them or that speaker before them fully. And so we often think if we go to our children or if we go to an audience or we go to our colleagues and we allow them to truly make eye contact and see us and breathe with us, that they're going to find out somehow we're not enough. The irony is that that's what they want. 
more than anything in terms of our presence, which is very different than kind of being seen, but being diminishing and talking about all our not enoughness. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between being seen and being enough as we actually are without needing to over talk about the areas where we're struggling. And that has been one of the most beautiful is the only word I can come up with lessons that I've known for a long time in terms of the work, but I didn't realize in terms of my mothering that when I show up to my daughter during a tough situation and I say to her, I'm really stuck here too. Mm -hmm. And we can make eye contact and breathe and hug. And I don't have to force a decision for the family or for me or for her. And we can talk through that messaging that being in our moxie doesn't always mean making a quick decision and professing to have all the answers. It's right. navigating that discomfort. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of situations, being present in that uncertainty until a better answer or a, an answer we feel more comfortable with emerges. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I'm, I've never made that connection either, but I'm thinking about now instances recently, you know, with my adult daughters where we're working that, you know, and really trying to work that and kind of navigate a couple like tough situations and come and literally like and say to my 27 year old daughter, like we're in a new phase, like we're creating an adult yeah. other daughter relationship. Right. So I feel I want to share, you know, kind of even more so like what's so for me, knowing that you can hold your own space. I don't need to take care of you. And out of that, you can make choices or decisions that are your own based that don't have to be influenced by mine, but I want to share in it together. And that was big. That was a a really big moment recently for us. And I think it's it's underlining exactly what you're saying. These skills that we're talking about are not skills we typically think about cultivating in college or grad school or even in the workplace. Right yeah. before I came to this interview, I was with fellow LinkedIn learning instructors. We were on a LinkedIn learning call talking about sort of the future of skills and how they make their courses. And there's an NDA, so I'm not going to get into any specifics. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the things that emerged was their commitment at LinkedIn Learning. And hopefully anyone who happens to be in learning development or leadership is equally committed to this, to looking at what are the actual skills that are not specific to jobs, but are specific to achieving our business aims or what our careers necessitate. And there's so much in mothering that is skill-based that sometimes we've cultivated in other arenas. We just haven't given ourselves permission to bring it in. But mm. oftentimes, our skills we've simply never named. And one of them that you're naming, and I think is so important, is that ability to sit with uncertainty and not self-flagellate, not rush a decision, yeah. not diminish ourselves and to wait and look at outcomes and then come back to that decision and be able to integrate critical thinking, research, and intuition to move forward. Like if we could all do that in every realm, we would all be moxilicious. I know, right? Regular, right? Right. Well, I love that because you said we'd all be moxilicious. We'd all be living that, our vision, that ideal state that we're going toward. And that isn't, moxilicious isn't a oh, you've reached it and check, you know, you're done, right? Like it's ever, I'm getting however evolving it is and has been for me. And this conversation now has, has me go back to, again, that, that first keynote talk and relating it again, because 
I think some things, skills, whatever we want to call them that ended up coming out is it wasn't like, okay, if I just memorize it enough, then I'll, that's what will get me over this like fear I have, or, you know, this vulnerability. And it, it really wasn't until I started reframing it. And I, I know we did this, I think it was actually at the retreat more may have been in our coaching too, but both where I reframed it as, no, this is me rewriting the mother code. This is me seeing a vulnerable part of myself and taking care of myself so that I can do this thing that's hard, but I can do it anyway. And I can, you know, show up for myself. And I remember holding it as a healing process. So every time I thought about now stepping in front of an audience, like, oh, that's going to be a healing. It's a gift to me and it's a gift to the audience. But this like essence of shared healing that I had and that each time I did that, I was healing a part of myself from the stories that I was sharing, from the part of me that didn't think I could actually get up in front of an audience and speak, you know, about these things. And I was doing it and it was going to heal and help me have compassion for those parts of myself. And that I think, you know, once we worked a lot of other stuff was one of the key pieces of it for me. It's so beautiful when we recognize that within time, answers that feel super elusive will typically mm. emerge. Maybe not on the timeline we've set, right? <laughs> like maybe we have to be flexible. Right. Yet very few things are unknowable forever. We often underestimate how much time something will take but we often overestimate when we're in the struggle how much longer it will take. So I see this all the time. <laughs> you might know what I'm referencing in business planning. So, yes. you know, I've got this great vision for a retreat or I've got this great vision for a new program and we think it's going to take us six weeks to map it all out. And then we get to week four and we're like, there is no way this is going to take me six weeks. And so suddenly we think to ourselves, it's going to take two years. And it's like, nope. The truth is in the liminal space between those two poles. <laughs> and if we can learn how to be a little bit more fluid in our relationship with time, oftentimes we're able to show up more fully for our kiddos and not overwork, mm -hmm. but also not put our own passions on the back burner for 18 years because it feels like till kids are out of the house, who am I to center my joy and some of my desires for what I want to bring into this world outside my home? Yeah. You're here. I love it. Well, and I, I think this is something we're talking about. I, because when we're using these words elusive or, you know, when we don't have words for it or this liminal space, like that is the feminine, the yin aspect of, of our, our journey, our process, like our work, you know, our mothering that, that I think is, I know what I'm trying to give more voice to. And I know you are, and, you know, we'll never have the words for it to really that can fully encompass it, but we do the best we can. <laughs> and it's another thing I love about the work you do where you also very much have supported me and others with structures, with systems, but it's always in that framework of so that this message can get heard, so that your presence can shine through and like almost no matter what you say, your audience is going to feel you and have an experience. And it kind of flips I think sometimes our our typical cultural paradigm where it's like, no, you get the important thing is that structure and saying it perfectly and word for word versus no, those just help you 
so that you can be. I don't know if I've ever articulated that with you, but that is something that I know I have felt very supported in, in the work that you do and and how, first of all, yay. And you can respond to that. And then anything else that you would say, like, are some of those systems or structures that put us in that space? I know it's a long process, but I'm just also wanting to give like, are there things that someone can take away after listening to this? And, oh, I'm going to go try that for a little bit, you know, to practice some of these muscles that we're talking about. In a moment of constraint, to start by asking where you feel that in your body. Now, that might sound counterintuitive, yet oftentimes, if we give ourselves that space to name it, it might feel that it's in the throat, which often means there's something we're not speaking. I woke up this morning, and I had a sore throat, and I knew I wasn't sick. Like, you know, when you just know, like... Yes. I'm not sick. There's something here. And I have a stiff neck. Hmm. And while I'm still working through it, so I probably won't name it, it was a challenging conversation that needed to happen. As soon as I had it, immediately the throat wasn't sore. Hmm. The neck, it's not perfect. Biofreeze is helping, but like there's just more flexibility and space. And it was like, ah, yes. There's so many wonderful books written about how the body, I mean, there is one of them, the body keeps the score, the body knows. And so I always, from a place of curiosity, like to lean in and say, how am I experiencing this in my body? Rather than calling it anxiety or a headache, Mm -hmm. is it, I feel like it's a colony of butterflies that are flapping their wing in my chest. And how might that be a sign for my power being cloaked and not fully expressed, that often will start to give me some indication of where to get curious and what to play with. So that's one thing. Yeah. And I love that one. I'm thinking about that one now. A second is I often will use this exercise and I don't think we've ever done this. It's more of a one-on-one tool. Okay. But when I'm in the middle of something that feels hard and I don't know what to do, to fast forward six months to a year and write myself a love note congratulating myself on who I was in that process. And so I take out the congratulate yourself for the decision because then we just go back into the, well, what what did I decide? How did I make it happen? And instead honoring myself for who I was as I navigated that tough time. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes when we focus on who we are in the journey, rather than on getting to that destination, then we see we're the person we need to be as that leader, as that mom, as that communicator, in the truth of what we want to express or engineer. It happens when we shift our gaze and focus on something else. So those would be two things I would offer for those who are listening. Great things. Uh, One, I'll just underline, I loved how you said that, just tuning into your body, but I think we've, we can sometimes, you know, culture will give us like these words, you know, to describe it like anxiety or, oh, I'm depressed, but it doesn't leave us like, and you might be, but if we stop there with a label for it, we're, we're missing, I think where the, where we can get curious, you know, where we can like actually yeah. go in and, and talk to it or ask, explore when you said that. It's because it's not an either or. I absolutely had postpartum depression. Yeah. And I know definitively an antidepressant made me better. And I also know that once I started to treat the depression, 
I realized that there was a bigger story needing to be told, which was at that point, my husband was working full time in a career that was keeping him outside the home. And I had this vision I hadn't dared to articulate of him retiring and coming to support my thing and growing this business so that it could support us. Mm -hmm. And so running concurrently was I've given birth to this child and to this amount of ambition I had never held before. Mm. And I mean, you know how the story plays out yeah. that four years later, he <laughs> did retire and he did join the business and he does support it's it. Amazing. For operations. Yeah. And whether that had happened or not is almost irrelevant. What needed to happen was me honoring this desire that I hadn't yeah. expressed because it felt and so expressing it audacious. Yep. Yeah. Here, here. So beautiful. All right. Well, I just want to talk about so many things, but we're- <laughs> Where we'll, do you want to go? I'll go anywhere. Yes, I know we will, but we'll have more times, more opportunities. This will not be my one and only time to have you on this podcast because there's I'm just sparking with even more ideas. But for this one, I think people have gotten a really good sense of you and the magic and your genius and what's possible when we step into our moxie or when we- just say we want to go on that journey and where that can lead. And I don't think we called it that when I first started with you. It was like speaker coaching. <laughs> I think that's what I would say. And it's so much more than that. So I'd love for people to know how they can connect with you. You do so many wonderful things, but anything you want to highlight here out loud, and we'll put everything in the show notes, obviously, but I still think it's good to hear. You bet. And thank you. Mm -hmm. For anyone who wants to get a sense of the scope of the work that I and Step Into Your Moxie, the company does, you can go to stepintoyourmoxie.com and under work with us, you'll see a range of corporate offerings or certification for those who are listening as individuals who are thinking to themselves, I really would like to get out into the world. I have an important message. I'd like to grow my visibility through speaking, podcasts, being interviewed, and so forth, the better place to go for that is either alexiavernon.com, which has more of the personal work, or for those specifically who are interested in speaking, bookcorporategigs.com is a space where I've got a gorgeous guide that's all about how do you start the process of getting booked speaking gigs inside of organizations. I give some speaking topics that have been very popular inside of companies over the last three years. And so those are a few options. And as Gertrude mentioned at the beginning, I do have a podcast. It's called Moxielicious. You can go back to season one. I don't one. remember which episode it was, <laughs> but it's within the first 10 to 12 and here Gertrude's. Um, but there's lots of great conversations that I've been having over the last three or four years, however long I've had the podcast on lots of different topics related to Moxie. Mm, I love it. I love all the things that you do. So my last question or that I would ask for you to be with is, what does rewrite the mother code mean to you? It is a question I've had an opportunity to think about through our work together over the years. <laughs> yes. And my answer has evolved. Mm. In many ways today, it's simpler than it might have been a few years ago. At its purest, for me, rewriting the mother code means giving yourself permission to create on a moment-to-moment -moment basis how you want to express mothering in the world, mm. your way, that you can listen to helpful friends, colleagues, ancestors, and ultimately, how can you funnel that through your own truth? 
And most importantly, because intuition, I know we didn't talk a lot about that today, but I recently led a certification, so it's on my mind, mm-hmm. is not having awareness that has to be disconnected from what others are saying, but ultimately it's recognizing what feels most right for us and then doing something about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's beautiful. I, I love your evolution. <laughs> it's, thank you. They've all been good, but thank you so much. Thank you for everything personally. I'm a personal thank you, but then also thank you for being on and us at least getting started digging in to this very important topic of uplifting and women opening up to uh, share their voices and through your platform. Thank you so much. Thank you for the incredible change-making work you do and for holding conversations for women to be able to honor mothering in whatever season they're in. I have zero doubt that I'm not who I am in my home as a mother, who I am in my most important relationships with family, particularly my partner and work in life. I wouldn't be who I am without the role you've played in my life. So just a huge thank you. Well, oh, well, okay. Caught me here at the end. (laughs) Tearing up. Okay. Thank you so much. And I know I'll see you soon. Wow. Oh my gosh. I was so beautifully, I guess, caught off guard at the end of that episode when Lex was pouring appreciation into me. And that has definitely been and continues to be a journey of mine to open myself to receive an offering like that and and watch the chatter was minimal, but it was there. But to watch what used to be really loud voices like, oh, she, you know, she's just saying that to be nice or she doesn't really know what she's talking about. And the list, you know, would go on blocking the way to take in that yummy acknowledgement and that yummy, yummy nourishment and allow that to uplift and buoy me and be there for me to access when I doubt myself or when I'm, you know, I mean, I think we all have those days, right? Where it's like, does this matter? Am I, what am I doing? And what should I keep going? And I, I don't know about you, but I, I do have those. And I'm kind of assuming we all do at some level have those voices that come in. So I can put this in my, in my data bank of like, oh yeah, remember what Lex said, the difference it's making to her. I think she maybe said a daily basis, but quite often in choices and, and ways that she's operating. So I want to name that as another muscle for us to flex because I also think it's a what we were talking about around our voices and sharing and using our voices to really be present in receiving, like I was just talking about, but also giving and offering you know, that level of acknowledgement to each other and to others who have touched and impacted our lives. And I've been thinking about that a lot recently because I'm getting prepared to say some words at Mitch and Morgan's, our daughter and now son-in-law's Chicago wedding celebration. And a part of what I'm going to be sharing is gratitude. And I could probably be up there all night, but to really hone in on the essence of that and offer that to the people who have helped you know, make that event happen, but so many more and so much more. And those are learnable skills. Those are things that many of us have blocks or barriers to. And, you know, for a myriad of reasons, but 
that's a muscle to practice. And it's a it can I'll, I'll give it as an assignment to people that I coach to give and receive compliments and do that for a period of time to notice what comes up. Notice where you shut down compliments, things that you are able to take in, not like the whole gamut. There's so much to learn from just that piece. And there was so much more that really good stuff in this episode that I hope you can take with you and bring into your life so that you're using your voice. We all have something to share our lives, these beautiful gifts and journey. And, you know, when we put that into a narrative and uh, can reflect that, but any way that we're reflecting it is a gift, you know, and anytime we share ourselves. So I encourage anyone and everyone to consider where and when they want to share something, you know, and share a truth, share a ma- something that's on your heart, what's kind of churning around in there that you know needs to get spoken or said. And if you need support to get it said, get support. I'm always here for that. So please, please reach out to me for any and all support you need and in, in uplifting your own voice and, you know, sharing the truths and things that are on your heart that matter and people, people need to hear. And that's something we forget too, as people are around you to hear what you have to say. All right. Till next time. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Rewrite the Mother Code. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included, to find it. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com and sign up for my newsletter. I'll see you next time. 